In contrast to Omo, the fifteen-year-old girl whose hand she held and whose beautiful eyes shone with adoration for Bobby Okari. Mom, Omo said simply, your husband is a great man. Looking into the girl's face, still so innocent, Marissa tried to quell the sense of danger she had felt ever since Bobby had conceived this, the first mass protest in the history of Asari land. In its place came a fleeting amazement at the choices that had brought her, an American of mixed race, to this life and this man, to this astonishing and deeply accursed country, and to the Asari, a mere half-million people among Luandia's 250 ethnic groups and 250 million citizens, whose perverse blessing was that beneath their land lay the richest oil reserves in one of the world's most oil-rich regions, the Luandian Delta. Until Bobby Okari, the Asari had endured the consequences in silence, robbed of heart and hope. But now Bobby, through his eloquence and relentless work, had summoned a grassroots movement, offering the restless young a vision beyond that of the armed militia groups that hid in the swamps and creeks that made the Delta a trackless maze. It was Bobby's strength or blindness that his belief in the movement he had summoned from nothing overcame his fear of an autocracy whose leader, General Karama, caused those who displeased him to die or disappear. The Asari, Marissa answered almost softly, are a brave people. Bobby held up a hand for silence. As Marissa scanned the crowd, she spotted Bobby's father, Chief Femi Okari, his face grim beneath his broad fedora, his eyes slits of disapproval and resentment. But he seemed an island to himself, alone amid the collective admiration of his son, the pride of the Asari. As the cries for Bobby receded into a deep silence, her husband stood taller, his slight form radiating an energy that suffused his proud bearing and made him seem larger than he was, less vulnerable than the flawed and troubled man Marissa knew him to be. As he began speaking, even his voice, deep yet lilting, belied any hint of frailty. Ha-ama, he began in Asari, then translated the phrase into English, Luandia's colonial tongue. Community, I greet you. Men's and women's voices answered with cries of varied timbres. Then Bobby turned, pointing to the giant flame that lit the dark behind him. This, he called out, is the bastard child of a rapacious oil company and a corrupt and brutal autocracy. Together, Petrol Global Luandia and the Karama regime have polluted our streams, killed our fish, denuded our land and they are taking all that is left, the oil, beneath our feet. Yes, a chorus of voices called out. Bobby's voice rose above the din. For years we have suffered, but now at last we demand an end to their tyranny. We insist on our rightful share of oil monies for schools, roads, clinics, clean water to drink. The United Nations itself has recognized our oppression, and yet the government and PGL pretend to be deaf and dumb. 
When I sent them the Asari Manifesto five months ago demanding our rights, they did not answer. Bobby's deep voice became slow and somber. And six weeks ago, when the people of Lana gathered to protest an oil spill, our government sent Colonel Okimbo and his soldiers to kill eighty-two Asari of both sexes and all ages. Rape women and girls, amputate the limbs of men and boys, and burn their village to the ground. Marissa knew the stories all too well. So did the villagers. Their lowered voices receded into silence, the only sound the deep roar of flaring oil. In the light from the giant orange flame, a shadow crossed Omo's face, and she gripped Marissa's hand more tightly. Tonight, Bobby said in the...